It is Monday, February 13th, and I no longer have to worry about the NBA trade deadline ruining one of my podcasts. Welcome back in to another edition of whatever this podcast is going to end up being named. I've named it. I made a very basic little artwork for it, and I hate it. So don't get too attached to the names. If you're one of my early uh, early subscribers, one, thank you. And if I haven't scared you off yet, uh, stick around. I promise. It's going to get a whole lot better. Um, we have a bevy of things to get into. But first, an apology is in order. As mentioned, if you are one of the few subscribers on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify out there, I see you, I hear you. Um, and I made a little bit of a, not a promise, but a maybe a premature proclamation. Like I said, it's Monday, February 13th. And there was a show that was discussed, that was talked about, that was floated. An NBA trade deadline special of sorts. Look, I'm a fan just like you, and I got swept up in the news, and I got swept up into listening to other content, and, and uh, you know all the crazy hoopla that was going on, and um, and I, and I was writing too. I have a good good excuse. Look, I'm workshopping like a website for this. I'm going all in on the content side of things, and um, we're working on it. That being said. I'm not that mad about it, about missing the Thursday, making a show on Thursday, because there is so much of that stuff already out there. The, the, the super overreactionary stuff. It's so easy to see the trades come through and then quickly just be like, oh my God, the Suns are going to win the finals. Oh my God. You know, and then there's also the like opposite end of that spectrum. You know, I saw a lot of, Boston fans with the, oh my God, we didn't do anything this year. What's new? Hey, we're the number one team in the NBA. So other teams are making moves to try to catch up to us. We're just trying to maintain the status quo and carry on going forward. I mentioned that to say that I would have probably been uh, swept up in the in the reactions just as well, just as much as uh, other people are. So I wouldn't have been uh, any better in that respect. But there is a whole lot to unpack here. Even three days later, the weekend has passed. We can kind of settle down. We can kind of really wrap our heads around what happened. And obviously the biggest thing was the Kevin Durant trade. I was standing in my shower Wednesday night thinking, Water falling on my head, thinking, man, I really wanted a big splash on the deadline. And I know we had the Kyrie move already. And I know, you know, future superstar Rui Hachimura went to the Lakers. Um, But I was hoping for a big splash just to kind of be like, wow, holy shit. And we got it moments later. I step out of the shower. I check the phone. Kevin Durant has been traded to the Nets. And I'm not going to make fun of the package that they got. But, you know, I feel like upon my initial reaction was like, that's it. That's it. We're going to get into all of it. Um, 
We're going to get a little nerdy today. Don't worry. We're going to talk a little bit about the Nets. And while a week ago that wasn't really a nerdy subject, um, due to some unforeseen circumstances, or if you're woke and you have your third eye open, a word to Kyrie, you you saw this coming. You saw this coming. We're going to unpack the Suns-Nets trade, what I liked about it, what I didn't like about it. Does this bump the Suns into that contender, that real contender category? Um, some people have already chalked them in as the favorite. We'll talk about it. Of course, we have to address the Lakers. I know. I don't want to either. I don't. I don't want to, but we have to. They made some moves, some moves that I actually liked. Some moves that I liked. Westbrook is out. I wrote a little bit about that. Um, I don't have a website yet, but I, I, I posted it. I'll post a link to it if you like to read about disgruntled superstars in LA just like I like just like I enjoyed writing about it the Timberwolves they you know they're, they're really the biggest part of that um that Lakers trade we'll get into some of that and then we're just going to wrap up with some of my favorite trades um we're going to see how quickly I blow through these uh the trade deadline stuff I'm not going to talk about John Wall to the Rockets I'm not going to talk about Patrick Beverly to the Magic so any of the buyout stuff look Buyout guys really don't ever... I know we like to think they have this huge impact. There's a reason that they were traded from a team that didn't want them to a team that also doesn't want them. And the team who gets them, who doesn't want them, doesn't want them so badly that they're paying them to F off. There's a reason for that, usually. Um, not to say I hate all the guys that like Terrence Ross, but... We're just going to hit some of the big big trade stuff. Um, we're going to run through it. We'll see how long it takes. And then if we have some time at the end, um, we'll talk a little bit more about the rest of the season. Let's take a quick break. Okay. NBA trade deadline. First order of business. Suns Nets. Kevin Durant is now a Phoenix Sun. This feels like it happened six months too late, but... It's okay. It happened either way. Uh, we know that the Suns and the Nets kept contact over the summer when we had the first, like, oh my God, Kevin Durant wants to be traded from the Nets. And I know, I know that feels like it was maybe two years ago. It was only like six months ago, guys. It was a little bit, okay, a little bit, maybe like seven months ago. Okay. And the Nets, to their credit, said no. No, uh, I mean, it's no secret that they floated the market and they, they made their calls and they did their due diligence. But at the end of the day, what on planet Earth were you going to get back for Kevin Durant that made logical sense? Now, I think they walked away pretty good this trade deadline, the Nets. Now, that includes trading both of Kevin Durant and Kyrie, but that seemed like that was always the case. If one left, the other seemed to be uh, following shortly thereafter. And that is exactly what happened. Um, I thought if Kyrie was the one who left, there was a greater chance that Kevin Durant would stay. Whereas if Kevin Durant was traded, you're not going to do, you're not going to try to build around somebody as, uh, unstable, unstable, and, um, just a loose cannon like Kyrie. But I thought, you know, Kyrie left. I still thought 
there's a good chance KD gets traded, but I could see it holding off until the summer. To be fair, I really liked the Nets team after the Kyrie trade. I liked it before the Kyrie trade. I thought the Dinwiddie and uh, Dorian Finney-Smith return was pretty good. They also got some draft capital out of it. Kevin Durant doesn't really care about draft capital. To be fair, I don't really care about draft capital. Trade your picks. We're going to get into it a little bit later, but trade your picks. You can get them back. I promise. That's exactly what the Nets did. The Nets... The Nets experience, and uh, I'm not going to say anything, you know, just absolutely world shattering here, but the next Nets experience was ridiculous and it went about as poorly as it could have gone. Um, that being said, they would do it a hundred times out of a hundred, you know, if they, if they had known what was going to happen, but you know, obviously not, but you're told you can get Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant in the same building. And then you're told you can add James Harden to that uh, equation. You're doing that a hundred times out of a hundred times. You're doing that. They, there's probably a lot of regret in Brooklyn right now, but I'll tell you what, it's better than not doing it and then still not winning, right? And there's probably some things that they could have done a little bit differently. They probably would take back the uh, the Ben Simmons trade, right? And then you just tell Harden, like, hey, we're going to figure it out here or we're not. But we're not trading you for somebody who's becoming a total unknown in Ben Simmons, who at that time was becoming that, and now he is that. Uh, I love Ben Simmons. I've got the jersey. I've got the rookie cards. He's a total unknown at this point. I'm rooting for him. I really am. I'm thinking that a quiet Brooklyn Nets situation, I mean, although it's hard to be quiet when you're playing in New York, but, you know, it's it's not what it was. It's not the mic- under the microscope that it was. But when I was running through the Nets roster earlier, and I've got some names that I really like, but I was running through it and the things that I liked about it, and Ben Simmons did not come to my mind. Now, I do love Ben and I was really rooting for him to get moved at the deadline. Especially if KD didn't get moved. I was thinking I want him to rehabilitate, go off the grid, go, you know, go to San Antonio. He needs to go do the Kanye, uh, John Mayer equivalent of like celebrity rehab where they go out into a, like a farm in like Montana. He needed to do that, but for basketball. He needed to go to, you know, San Antonio or like I would say Indiana, but Indiana is actually becoming a good team and they don't have time for him and his um, his problems, his deficiencies at the moment. Um, I'm rooting for him, but he's not one of the first things that I think about when I think about this Nets team. Um, I love Mikhail Bridges. I love Mikhail Bridges. There's a rumor that a team, uh, an unknown team, so we'll I don't know how much stock I'm going to put into it, but that a team out there floated four first-round picks for Mikhail Bridges. <laughs> I'm inclined to believe that's true. I think picks have never been valued less amongst GMs and ownership in the NBA. And I agree. Just look at how many picks the Nets got back in these deals. They got picks for Kyrie Irving. There was a point before the season, during the season, where people thought, at most, 
you might get a first round pick for Kyrie, but you're probably not going to get a first round pick. You're probably going to get a player, maybe an expiring contract, but Kyrie is viewed as a liability. Now, Kyrie Irving displayed his incredible talent again, so he kind of put a pin in that. But the fact is they got draft capital and good players back for Kyrie. So guess what? Picks are to be had. And there were, I believe, 48 second-round picks traded on the deadline and over a dozen first-round picks. That's unheard of five years ago, 10 years ago. You used to have to fight, pry, beg, and plead a team to give up their firsts, especially multiple, especially three or four of them. I made a whole fake trade um, after the Kevin Durant trade that had Mikael Bridges going to the Nuggets. Now, the whoever was offering four first was going to wipe it out because as much as I love that Nuggets team, they just don't have the capital to compete with teams that have a boatload of picks and young players, you know? Um, I'm not trying to turn this into the Mikael Bridges show, but that was a piece that I was like, okay, he's on the nets, but like, no, we have to get him to a contender now. And, uh, you know, the thing I like about the net, this for the nets is, uh, they're not incentivized to tank, right? Like their picks are out the window. Those to be fair, you can't really get those back and you can in a hyper theoretical world where the, uh, the nets and the rockets make a, make a trade in which they get their own picks back. And we've seen that happen before, um, at a smaller scale, but look, they just got four firsts for KD. They got a first for Kyrie. You know, they sent out four picks um, to Houston. They got five back by trading those guys away. And so I say that the Nets would do it a hundred times out of a hundred. And I believe it. And I think they know it. And do I think teams are going to throw more caution to the wind all of a sudden to, to when it comes to acquiring superstar talent? No, absolutely not. I don't. You mean to tell me if another big market team like the Lakers or um, the Lakers or uh, the Lakers or the Heat or I, I don't know, just I, I'm saying the Lakers because they're a team that could really use some help. Um, they got a little bit of it at the deadline, but we're talking about franchise changing talent. They will throw zero caution to the wind going forward and they will not think about Oh my God, the net situation. They won't think about that because they'll see how the nets did it. And they'll say, Oh, that won't happen to us. Right. But then they'll also say worst comes to worst. If we acquire the player, we'll just ship them out and get a plethora of picks right back. You know? So, and there's another side to this, those nets picks or those sons picks that the nets got. Those could be good. Those could be good. Those are years down the line with an aging Chris Paul, an aging Kevin Durant, both of which who are out due to injury right now. So that's another reason why I'm not like, oh my God, the Suns are going to win it all. Like in a perfect world where there are no injuries, maybe they have the most talented starting five, but it's not a perfect world. And as we sit here today, Monday, February 13th, Two of your top three guys are out with injury. Just 
it's just your reality. Anyways, I thought I was going to lead with the Suns side of things. Um, I just I'm fascinated by this Nets thing. It's I know it's I know it's like a there's going to be like a document a, a documentary about this team one day. There's going to be a great thirty for thirty about the what if I told you that three of the greatest offensive talents of all time played on one roster and it all went horribly wrong in a matter of less than 16 months. I don't know. I don't know. I like them going forward. I'm intrigued. Um, I like Dinwiddie. I like Dinwiddie. And it's not just because his first name is Spencer, but um, that's part of it. That's part of it. Um, but I love Bridges. I can understand why a team would fork up a lot of picks. I think he's better than Ananobi. I don't know how close I think it is. I'm not surprised to not see Ananobi get moved. After the Jakob Pertle trade, I, I literally tweeted immediately after the Jakob Pertle trade. I said, um, wow, this is going to be a pretty boring deadline. And then 30 seconds after that was the Kevin Durant trade. So, yeah. But it was boring from the, the Raptors standpoint of things where they should have, I felt, made a move. And I'm not, I don't, I actually don't have anything on the on the Raptors here. I kind of just forgot about them. I was, I was a little offended by the fact they didn't do anything this deadline. <clears throat> that being said, I kind of get it. I kind of get it. I kind of get it. They're a struggling middle, like, like, even below middling team at this point. I mean, they were 21 and 27 as of the day of the deadline. And I don't know what their pathway forward is. I think they have a little, I, I mean, we know they have a weird team. We know they have a weird team. Fred Van Vliet balled out yesterday, but let's face it. He's a smaller guard who's getting older. He's only 28, but for the guys who aren't super elite, the guys who aren't all NBA guys, you know, smaller guards i i do worry about them as they get closer to 30 you know because once you're on the wrong side of 30 and you're a non-elite 6-2 or under guard it's not like fred van vliet has ever had world-breaking athleticism either you know that's a guy who had real value at the deadline who you could have moved off of og Ananobi is a player who is not happy in his role because I don't, I don't know if OG Ananobi knows something that we don't after watching him for years now in the NBA. Um, but he's not satisfied with his role. It seems to be kind of apparent. And I think that's part of the reason why other teams didn't want to trade for him. But what are you getting back with Ananobi? I don't know. Uh, a really good on-ball defender. One of the league's best, to be fair. So you're getting that back. You're getting back a, a good... And, not great shooter you're getting like a good a versatile but not terrific offensive player so i don't i don't know if there this was a case of toronto overvaluing him and scaring teams off with the, with the asking price i feel like there was definitely three three firsts for him out there i feel like three first round picks was definitely on the table for ananobi 
but he comes with a, I believe a $17 million deal. And that's, that's not, that's a good deal. That's a, that's a, that's at this point in this NBA where guys like, uh, Russell Westbrook are getting traded and they have 40 plus million dollars to their deal. 17 is nice. Um, 17 is nice, but I just feel like if a team really wanted to get it done, they would have just got it done. So I'm starting to question, was the interest that high after all? Was the interest really that high for uh, Anunoby and the rest of the Raptors guys? Or maybe it was, and maybe this is just a case of Toronto overvaluing their assets. Now we've seen teams do that and get their, get burned. I, I don't know. I, I, this Toronto team, as currently constructed, is not a contender by any stretch of the imagination. I love Pascal Siakam. He is not the best player on an NBA Finals team. Um, I like Scotty Barnes. I like Scotty Barnes. I don't love Scotty Barnes. I didn't love him last year. I liked him a lot more last year when he won Rookie of the Year and was um, projecting upwards. I feel like he's taken a step back. I don't know if that's just my eyes. Um, I don't know. It feels like he's taking a step back. There's like a bunch of guys in Toronto who are capable of averaging 15 to 20 points per game. And that's kind of what they do. And they're just long, versatile wings. And Fred Van Vliet. They make the move for Jakob Pertl, who is defensively pretty good. To really good. He's pretty good to really good. I have a case of recency bias. I went to see um, the Sixers when they came to San Antonio recently. Embiid, and I know, I know, Embiid does this to every big man in the NBA. But he made Jakob Pertl look stupid at times. Um, and he didn't score all 40 of his points on Jakob Pertl. But, um, and to be fair, Jakob Pertl's supporting cast is pretty dog defensively so i don't know i'm just I'm just speaking from experience here i i think some of these small market guys and i know it because i live in a small market and i go to small market games some of these guys get overvalued in national media because they hear oh yucca Pertle, really good like one of the best defensive centers in the nba i've, I've heard that floated around on the nba tv channel and that he was going to really help out some team like the Celtics or the Lakers. And I'm like, eh. At the end of the day, he's like a dude who gets nine points a game. And you're, you know, he, he's going to he's gonna be fine. He's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. He can be a starting center in the NBA. But in a league where um, if I have to go through Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic, I'm not going to beat them at their own game. I can try to find a guy who can contain them, but from one of those contending teams, I'm not like looking for a, an Embiid stopper, right? Right, right. So, you know, that idea is silly to me. Um, so that's the Raptors, which, like I said, was not even written down. Um, it's really easy for me to get carried away and keep going here. We're going to get into the Suns. We're going to get into the Suns. We're going to get into the Suns. Let me take a quick breather. Because I'm excited. Because basketball-wise, chef's kiss. Kevin Durant in Phoenix. Let's talk about it in a 
second. All right. So I'm going to resist the urge to talk about small market basketball, small market basketball teams. Yes, Toronto, if you're listening still, you are a small market. The Suns. You had to do this. If you were the Suns and you have Kevin Durant being floated in your face, in your, let's just go there, if you're Matt Ishbia, brand new Suns owner, you do this. You do this a hundred times out of a hundred. And this gets back to what I was saying about the Nets and how teams were, um, teams are not going to be scared to trade for these guys. Two teams just traded for these guys who caused this a holy shit problem in Brooklyn. Dallas just traded for Kyrie. Phoenix just traded for the, for uh, for Katie. And you, nobody's questioning it for Phoenix. There's some question marks on the Dallas side. I spoke of, spoke about that uh, last week um, after the Kyrie trade. But for Phoenix, there's really nobody questioning this. It's Kevin Durant. Yeah, he's 34. Yeah, he's had multiple surgeries. Yeah, he blew his Achilles a couple years ago. Yeah, he's awesome. He is so awesome. He is playing such maybe his most impressive season from a efficiency plus age plus two-way basketball plus he put the nets on his back. Now, to be fair to Kyrie, when Kyrie was locked in this year, the nets were awesome because of both of them. But Kevin Durant was the, you know, the, the, the pack leader, the fearless pack leader for that Brooklyn squad. And he's going to be awesome for Phoenix when he comes back. But notice if you were going to be cautious and you were going to be careful and you were going to be safe about the trade deadline, about your future, you wouldn't do this deal, right? Because here we are and I spoke about it a few minutes ago, but Chris Paul is out. Kevin Durant is out. And I know you're not playing for February, right? You're playing for titles. But to play for titles, you have to play well in February and March and April. And Kevin Durant's being reevaluated. And he will miss the All-Star game. And Chris Paul, in his defense, has played better as of late. But is not going to be in the All-Star game. Um... Chris Paul is playing right now. If I've been saying Chris Paul, I apologize. It's Devin Booker who's out right now. I think I'm I'm already prematurely sidelining Chris Paul because of all that we know about Chris Paul and how he's like a ticking time bomb. And when May rolls around, he's going to disappear because I'm not saying from a, a, a clutch standpoint, but he's going to disappear physically because that's what he does. That's what he does. Um, and I hate it because I'm not the biggest Chris Paul guy at all. Like at all. But you root for guys who play so well, who are so great at this game. And yeah, I want to see the best players when when it's, it's winning time. Right? So uh, major error. Like the 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 like perfectionist in me is like, dude, scrap the whole thing because you talked about how Chris Paul is out right now. Doesn't matter. You you get what I'm saying. I could literally say Chris Paul is out right now, and he just would be like because that's what he's he is, and he's missed a lot of time this year. So forget it. 
the fact is your th- top three have been in and out of their lineups all year long. Um, and Devin Booker has got some question marks on him. I think he's going to be fine and he's going to come back, but looks like Booker and DeBrand are going to miss the all-star game, the all-star break. I think they all three get a chance to, to debut um, on the four. I'm hoping within the month of February, I, I'm pretty optimistic. Um, it, by all accounts, it seems like Durant's on his way, well on his way back. Like Booker's well on his way back. I think just whenever guys get hurt so close to the all-star break, it's just so easy to just say, oh, I could come back right now, but the break starts in like four days and I can just kind of take a long vacation, which, you know, I don't know. Like I'm fine with it. Like if it means you'll come back and be healthy for the rest of the season, sure. We'll take it. We'll, we'll take that deal. Like, sure. Um, so I'm optimistic that they all three debut together. Um, some point this month, I'm glad they kept Aiton. I made a TikTok. I do that now, I guess about my favorite traits. And I, I mentioned how, um, I, that the Suns got to keep their top three intact. Somebody challenged me and said, I'd argue that Mikhail Bridges was part of that top three, not Aiton. And I'd hear you out. I would hear you out, but they got Kevin Durant, right? So Mikhail Bridges is like mini light. He He's like a light, small, can't, you know, he, 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 he Kevin Durant does everything that Mikael Bridges does, but at an extremely higher level, um, which is not to discredit Bridges. We just went on the Bridges Love Fest. But if I'm building this team and I get to keep one of the two of Aiton, who I like more than most, I'll admit, um, or Bridges, yeah, I'm going to keep Aiton for the size, for the fact he brings a different dimension to this team, and for the fact I'm really hoping, you know, my biggest knock on Aiton, I think a lot of people's is, the effort and the like the question marks right on whether or not he's going to really go all out and maybe maybe the new ownership paired with getting Kevin Durant is enough to kind of smooth things out here because you know if you're Aiden to in your defense you know this team drafted you first overall and it's never really felt like home you know from day one there's always kind of been like this well, we're looking for something more and he's been floated in trade rumors and it seemed like he was going to Indiana for like a solid week. And then they said, no, I'm good. And then he gets, you know, he, he is back in, in Phoenix. So, um, I get it from both sides with the Aiden and the Phoenix situation. I'm just rooting for him to just lock in, figure out, dude, you're on, you're like the fourth option on now the most highly touted team in the NBA, like just play hard. You're going to get a lot of, he's going to get a lot of free opportunities playing next to these guys. Um, for Chris Paul, I've admittedly ragged on him all season long. I am suddenly rooting for him to play some good basketball and he's played better. He's, he, you know, he's stepped kind of coming into his own. Um, I don't know if it's Chris, that Chris Paul has ever had to play himself in a shape or, if it's just, I feel like it's just more of every year now, it feels like Chris Paul is going to lose a step, right? And then he has to kind of adjust to what his new top speed is, what his new fourth gear is, you know? 
and he has to adjust the team to the team around him. Um, I think for the Suns, it's great. You got rid of that brain dead idiot, Jay Crowder. Um, and my beef with Jay Crowder goes way back. It goes back to when he, before the Kyrie trade, where he was still on the Celtics and he quit on that team effort wise for the, about the last six months. And then everybody was saying, oh my gosh, the Celtics gave up so much. They gave up Jay Crowder, who's like a superstar. And no, he's not. He wasn't. He was never going to be a stud. I mean, he's he he's like he's like PJ Tucker, who is I'd rather have PJ Tucker. PJ Tucker's way cooler. He's got he wears cooler shoes. No. Um uh, it was just Jay Crowder was just done, man. He just he checked out and he acted as though he was the most um uh what am I trying to say? Uh I don't know, the most oppressed player in the NBA, the most oppressed human being on the face of the earth. Um the reality is prior to this trade, they could have really used him and he would have played really heavy minutes and important minutes. Um but I don't know. I, I haven't loved what I've seen from Jay Crowder in the postseason. Um, and just in general, like I, I don't, I, I just get, get rid of him. Get rid of him. Get, you can get four second round picks for Jay Crowder. Yeah. Or I guess, I guess Brooklyn got four second round picks for Jay Crowder. Yeah. Do that. Do that. Because there's a chance they'll just quit on your team anyway. So um, as a Celtics fan, I'm in, th- I'm just thrilled that he's with the Bucks. I'm just thrilled. Because I don't think he moves the needle for them. I think the Bucks are talking about how he's a he's a PJ Tucker replacement. He's not going to fit the culture like PJ Tucker did. And this isn't a PJ Tucker episode. I like the Suns' deadline. It's shocker. Um, it's a really exciting basketball fit. It's a really exciting basketball fit. Zach Lowe talked about this earlier, but um, it's a tremendous point. Is this the three greatest mid-range uh, shooters of like the last twenty years um, on the same team? Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, and Devin Booker. There's a chance this team leads the league in mid-range jumpers, and I'm here for it. Bring back the cl- bring back the mid-range. Bring black. Bring back some uh, some diversity to your offense. Um, this is a team who can make a lot of threes. This is a team who can make a lot of mid ranges. This is a team who can who has a lot of creators on offense. Um, two, I think, superstars. Well, you have a super duper star in Kevin Durant. You have a superstar in Devin Booker, and you've got a guy in Chris Paul who has been there at the top of the of the league, who now is in a different part of his career, but also now has been rescinded all the way down to the third and sometimes going to be probably the fourth option. Um, and I think that's what we need from Chris Paul. I think we need a 15 point or a 15 assists per game type of player from Chris Paul, where he's just, he's just in the half court feasting, um, you know, defensively, defensively, this is also awesome for Phoenix because um, Kevin Durant is incredible defensively still. And, you know, I'm interested to see how they play together um, on defense almost as much as I am on offense. I think of, you know, if you have Durant and you've got Aiden down low and 
you know, Chris Paul, like I said, steps slower, but I think this is going to be a team that's really good on both ends. Um, it's kind of a weird flip flop of what KD had in, uh, in Brooklyn, you know, Claxton was really starting to step into that like defensive player of the year conversation, um, as a center, you know, in Brooklyn and Aiton is not that I don't think, but having some size at the center position, the pick and roll possibilities, it's a different dynamic than we've had with Kevin Durant in the past where in Oklahoma city, his centers were Steven Adams and, um, just kind of stationary big men, you know, uh, Kendrick Perkins, Nick Collison, there was some Serge Ibaka stuff, but, um, you know, I'm just thinking about that classic Serge Ibaka mid-range jumper and how prime Serge Ibaka would be a fit, a darling on the Suns team um, at that four spot. But different look for them. You know, in Golden State, not a different or a, never played a traditional center. Um, and so Kevin Durant, kind of a different challenge. Um, what do I think? This could mean big picture for KD. Do I think this could be a legacy rehab in some regards? You know, let's say he wins a title here in Phoenix. Um, I don't think it's like totally changes his narrative because of the fact that the two titles in Golden State are always going to have a little, little asterisk. Uh, to be fair, he was the best player on those teams, you know. He was the best player on those teams. He led the charge for them, but you know, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. It was, it was, it was a pre-built thing. This in many regards is a pre-built product that Kevin Durant is just stepping into. Right. I, I don't think, I think it's one of those things like if Kevin Durant is 34 years old, right? You've made up your mind on Kevin Durant at this point. Now, who knows what this could be. If they rip off two titles, let's talk about it. You know, let's talk about it. Um, but I don't know. I just, I I don't have them as the favorites this year. It's going to take a lot to, for a team to dethrone the, the Nuggets this year in my mind. We'll have to see how they play it out on the court. Um, it's interesting. It's so interesting uh, what this Suns thing is. I know I've just kind of tackled a lot there, but I got some more stuff I want to, I want to jump into. So I'm not going to live here with the Suns forever, but from a basketball standpoint, they're so exciting to, to, to see going forward. It's got some Kevin Durant legacy stuff, of course, on the line. Um, like I said, I'm not putting them over Denver, not putting them over Denver. Um, I'm going to mention spoiler alert. Thomas Bryant to the Nuggets is one of my favorite NBA trades that I'll I'll run through quickly here at the end. But um, yeah, just some just just really mystifying stuff with Phoenix. Um, we'll see how it uh, how it all plays out. Going to talk a little bit about the Lakers and um, my favorite trades and uh, get out of here. Russell Westbrook is no longer a member of the Los Angeles Lakers. D'Angelo Russell makes a 
homecoming to LA, if you will. Um, two super intriguing players. Of course, they would get traded for each other. Um, for the Lakers, I like it. For Utah, I get it. For Minnesota, I understand. Um, ultimately, we'll go through all the Lakers stuff, but they got better this deadline. They did. They got better this deadline, and it didn't cost much. Um, there's a counterpoint in there that says you could have spent more and gotten more, but with, I believe that the Lakers wanted to get better, and I do also believe they didn't want to totally hemorrhage um, their future, and I think they did that. And, um, you know, you get rid of Westbrook, who visibly was sick and tired of playing with LeBron and playing with in the L.A. system. I think he was tired of the L.A. spotlight just totally crushing him. Of course, the quote about um, him being a vampire in the locker room comes out. And, man, that's that's going to be typical L.A. media stuff. Right. And. Also, who's sympathizing with Russell Westbrook for that? I I know it sucks, but you, dude, you know it was a it was a situation that went sour, in in front of the Lakers, in front of a team that has LeBron James. Like, dude, just yeah, you, you sign up for that when you choose to play professional basketball. I know you didn't choose L.A., but you didn't really run from it either. Um, and it feels like just another disaster for the Lakers. Um, but here we are. Every contract is tradable and they made out okay on it. So once again, you can get out of contracts. You can get out of trades. Um, so it, it doesn't matter who you are. You, there's always a team who's looking for a bad contract with assets attached and, the Lakers didn't the Lakers gave up a bad contract and they got some really good assets in return. You know, it was a three-team deal and they did end up having to give up the 2027 first rounder, but they ended up getting the four the top four protection on it. And, you know, I think that's important because if that pick is really bad, then they still get to reap the reap the uh, rewards. Um, and that pick could be really bad. Um we're gonna see what happens with the Lakers this summer. We're gonna see they 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 the, the move for the Lakers was let's get better right now without going all in on an unknown, right? I think Kyrie could have been there for them. I think they didn't want to do that. I think they didn't want to want to go all in on such a heavy unknown, right? And I can't blame them. Uh, if you've been burned by Kyrie Irving before, raise your hand. Okay. Yeah, a lot of us. Um... I like Vanderbilt. I wanted Vanderbilt on the Celtics. I like. I'm okay with D'Lo. I'm okay with D'Lo. Does it say something that he's been playing really good basketball for the last two months, and the Wolves still traded him? Yeah, I think it says something. Does it say more about the Timberwolves or more about D'Lo? I think it's a mix of both. I think it's a mix of both. Um, I like Beasley a lot, a little inefficient this year, not shooting above 40% from the floor, but you know, a, a little bit of offensive punch for you. I think, I think he comes off the bench. I think there's a world in which Vanderbilt could start 
Um, I think there's a world in which a lot of different, the Lakers could roll out a different, a lot of different lineups. And that's something that I like. I like that they are, won't be so predictable. Now they'll still be predictable trust. Um, but they, they have real basketball players now, right? You know, I, I kind of like the Rui Hachimura thing. I don't love it. I'm, I'm not like, you know, when they did it, it was like, oh my God, he was a top draft pick. Let's go. It's like, yeah, he, he's okay. And that's what he's been. He's been okay. Vanderbilt will be good defensively. He's not a very, he's not going to bring you a lot on offense. He's not going to bring you a lot on offense. That's why I didn't mind him for the Celtics. Like we don't really need a lot on offense. Can you help out? Can you provide some wing depth? Can you, can I throw you at Giannis for like a five minute stretch in the second quarter of, you know, a playoff round, right? That's the kind of, he's kind of just a, another really good body, a good defensive player. Um, and that's something that the Lakers needed. Uh, so they ultimately get Vanderbilt, D'Lo, Beasley, Westbrook goes out after the the record-breaking game with Philip Braun. I felt it was obvious. You know, then of course that night we get the, the reports about he and him lit it up at halftime. Westbrook just wasn't cut out for this team. Um, I don't think he's quite, quite frankly, I don't think Russell Westbrook's cut out for any contending team. And that sucks. It sucks to see that, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to write home about how awesome or my, my, my love affair for Russell Westbrook. I'm not that big of a, of a fan, but especially in the recent years, um, I think he picked up bad habits during the, 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 the late OKC years. And I think it carried over into Houston. And I think that drove James Harden out of Houston. And then I think it carried over into, uh, I think I think the Washington years now could be looked upon pretty fondly, like in comparison to the uh, the Houston years and the Oklahoma the like maybe I mean I mean at the end of the Oklahoma City thing he was still himself, um, but it just wasn't a really a winning brand of basketball, dude. And I know that's gonna get some flack, but like. Westbrook's not really ever been by himself outside of, I think a couple of years there, you know, around the time that they made the finals in Oklahoma city. Uh, and a couple of years after that, mind you, he was playing with Kevin Durant, who was winning MVPs and was in the prime of his career or entering the prime of his career at that time. So, but I don't think there's ever been a time where you could have stuck Russell Westbrook on a team and been like, Hey, Go, uh, go, go on a deep playoff run, you know, go, go make an NBA finals, um, without, without, a, you know, another star on it by his side. And I'm not like bashing him for that, but there's not a lot of guys in the NBA like that. But, um, at the end of the day, Russell Westbrook just is what he is, what he is at this point. And I don't know that he's going to contribute to the Clippers or the heat. And if I'm the Clippers and I'm, if I'm Steve Ballmer and I'm Ty Lue, I'm grabbing Paul George by the throat after that press conference where he's like, let's get Russell Westbrook in here because that's a big stage to be calling out like your front office and to be calling for an addition that really doesn't make a lot of sense. You just got rid of a non-shooting athletic point guard in John Wall who didn't work out. Um, 
I we can I think Russell Westbrook's probably better than John Wall at this point, um, just because he's he's played more. But is Westbrook gonna change change your life there? You know, um, if I'm Miami, great, another non-shooting guard. No, no, I'm I'm good, man. I'm good. The Lakers rid themselves of the Westbrook problem. I'm not gonna call him a vampire. I don't know what that was referring to. Maybe the locker room presence. Considering he was, you know, beefing it out with Darvin Ham on what was supposed to be a pretty chill night for the Lakers, um, that tells me there was some, there was probably some, some bad blood there. So we'll just call it there. Um, big thing to note here: the Lakers clear up over thirty million dollars in cap room this summer, and I know that number sounds huge, and it's a big number. But the free agency class is not very good. And that's not including Rui Hachimura, who is a restricted free agent who they can bring back. But that that's going to eat into a lot of that space. And, you know, cap space is fluid. Contracts are fluid. I just got done talking about how you can trade anything and do pretty much anything you want to to make something happen. Um, that, on the other hand... I don't know who wants to come to LA. Maybe it's Kyrie. Is LeBron all in on LA? I think so. I think so. Is AD going to be there long-term by his choice or by the Lakers choice? Are they going to move him? I think there's a million different ways the Lakers offseason could go. I think it's good that they have flexibility. Just want to let you know, the two best free agents in this class are Kyrie Irving and James Harden. Neither of which, and I'm a big James Harden guy, I'm not like running to him to give him, you know, $200 million, right? I'm not like sprinting over to James Harden. Please, 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 $200 million, I'll give it to you. And I think ultimately I know, you know, there's been Houston stuff with, with Harden. I think he's resigning in in in, uh, in Philly. I think it's a system that works for him. I think it's something that's really going well. It seems like he and Embiid are hitting it off. Did and did Harden have to sacrifice quite a bit for that? Yeah. Is it for the best? Yeah. Um, I think there's there's definitely still a version of, of Harden who just takes like six more shots per game and gets to, to uh, 30 points per game. But, you know, that's not what he's been been tasked to do. And it's not it's maybe not something he wants to do at this point. Um you know, I can only imagine that being the sole focus of an offense for about seven years gets not maybe doesn't get old, but you know, he had some heavy miles on him in Houston, and it might be nice to play point guard now and just have an awesome Embiid. And you know, Harden's entering that stage. He's thirty-two now. He's thirty-two. He's definitely lost a step. I think in some regard due to the hamstring stuff, you know, but he's been healthier as of late. The, the, the Sixers are awesome. He did that whole thing last summer where he restructured his deal to take less money. So that way they could compete. I think James Harden really gives a shit about winning. I think he knows that he's got this incredible statistical resume and his name is going to be on a lot of stats for a lot of years. And we're going to look back really fondly on James Harden. I think, but I think he knows that without the ring, even just one, 
it's going to be really hard to put him up there with some of the other great shooting guards. And I've got him right behind. If it's Michael Kobe Wade, you know, I'll hear your arguments about Jerry West and, you know, whoever you want to talk about. But James Harden to me is a top five shooting guard of all time. I think he's one of the greatest scorers of all time. Um, you know, when we go peak for peak, those, I mean, give me five years straight of James Harden in Houston. That, I mean, he was just another level. And I, I'm, I'm doing it again. James Harden love fest. I know, I know. But it ties in. We're talking about the Lakers and their future. And the, he is a upcoming free agent. No, he is not going to L.A. Um, should knock on wood because who knows? Um, this league is unpredictable. I don't know what they're going to do with that cap space. I don't know what you can do with that cap space. $30 million is not nearly as much as it used to be. Um, Damian Lillard had, is, has already put pen to paper on a contract that will pay him upwards of $60 million per season. I am barfing at the idea. I'm barfing internally. I'm barfing in my mouth at the idea of paying Damian Lillard, undersized point guard, $60 million a year to play basketball when he's 35. I think he'll be 35. There's going to be a lot of those deals. We said the same thing about Chris Paul's 40 plus million. We said the same thing about Russell Westbrook's 40 plus million. And those contracts have been traded, will be traded, will continue to be traded. You know, the cap is going to jump in probably two seasons. So, you know, you know, it's, it's all going to work itself out. The Lakers have a lot of question marks. I think they're going to be good for the rest of the season. Good, not great. Good, not great. Um, but I think they're a playoff team. I think the Lakers are a playoff team now, barring health. So if LeBron James and Anthony Davis miss significant time, um, you know, I get to revoke my statement. I know it's so corny to be like, this team, when healthy, is going to be, you know, but seriously, like there are such question marks health-wise that um, health and maybe just general availability-wise because is LeBron really hurt or has he just missed three straight games since breaking the record just because? Because he was at the Super Bowl last night and he's not playing tonight. And I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to do, what to make of the LeBron thing. Um, if you bought tickets to the LeBron Bucks game in hopes that that was going to be the game he broke the record and then he ended up not playing in that game at all, I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry, but you played yourself. Ah, man. Enough Lakers. Enough Lakers. Um, quickly, the other side of the D'Angelo Russell's trade was the Wolves trade. Or the Wolves side of that trade. And giving up Russell, like I said, it's a little alarming considering he was playing really good basketball. And then the Wolves just kind of said, yeah, yeah, here you go. Get lost. Um couple quotes from some minnesota media man we're getting we're getting we're getting nerdy today small market small market teams here we go um from john krasinski not the actor in uh in the office but john krasinski of the athletic um on he had a thing about d'angelo russell Delo certainly tried to make it work but it was uncomfortable at times i mean we would come into the locker room and you could hear him actively 
just kind of bemoaning the situation. I've talked to coaches and players from other teams who have heard him just kind of getting down on Rudy, Rudy Gobert during games. There was this perception that D'Angelo Russell was very frustrated with Gobert and did not seem as open to working with him. That uh, was from John Krasinski um, of The Athletic. And it seems to be like what we've been hearing and understandably so to an extent. For one, Gobert is extremely frustrating. Uh, I think he is, he is frustrating in his own right. But to another extent, uh, he is frustrating in the sense that The, the the what they gave up to get him you know he used he was the expectations were extremely high of him right and that's that's somewhat not his fault i'm not going to defend rudy gobert because i don't like rudy gobert um as a basketball player i don't like him you know in that regard i think nerds have like propped him up when he was in utah forever about oh my god he's just a game changer and you know they're gonna blow their load over the fact that his defensive rating was so so good, but like, let's be real. When has D'Angelo or uh, when has Rudy Gobert ever contributed to winning? D'Angelo Russell, for that matter, too. But winning at a high level, sustained excellence over the course of four playoff rounds. We've never seen that. We've never seen it over two playoff rounds. Like, what was funnier in the late 2010s than a than a James Harden Rockets team getting to play the Jazz? I was hysterical whenever that happened because it was awesome because they were a a joke, dude. They could not guard Harden for one, and Harden was just having his way with Gobert. Gobert gets switched to him on the perimeter. He cooked. Harden meets him at the rim. Cooked. Draws the foul. Dunks right on him. It, those series were hysterical because it exposed this silly little narrative because James Harden was kind of like James Harden in his own right was some, had some pro analytics guys. Um, but at the end of the day, he was playing ISO ball. Okay. He was playing really high level advanced ISO ball with, you know, he was playing five out ISO ball and really kind of pushed that, that style. And we see a lot of that play, uh, play style now. And thanks to those rockets teams. Um, but then on the other side, you had, Rudy Gobert, who was like, oh my God, like the second coming of, uh, you know, I don't know, Hakeem Olajuwon, but no, he wasn't. He's some lanky, danky French big dude who gave it the, the entire NBA COVID. Like that's his legacy. You know, nobody took Rudy, Rudy Gobert seriously. I thought it was so funny when they did that NBA draft on TNT, the all-star draft and Rudy Gobert made it. And he was the last pick and the, the Kevin Durant and, LeBron James were literally laughing about it. Like, oh my God, one of us has to take this guy. Like, like knowing that they were going to see him in the locker room on his on their team, they didn't care. They were just like laughing about the idea that he was an all-star because they knew that themselves and their teams didn't really take him seriously. Like he was an inflated numbers guy who, I don't know whose idea it was to trade for him in Minnesota. Man, that trade gets worse by the day would you rather have walker kessler or rudy gobert i think contracts aside i'd rather contract situation age all of it aside just give me walker kessler and now let's factor in the huge contract for gobert and the rookie little bitty rookie contract for walker kessler and we're not even 
into the discussion about the first round draft picks and all of the other things that were sent in return for Rudy Gobert. It, I called it the Minnesota massacre for a reason on maybe one of the first episodes of the show. It is that it still is that. Um, and I, I've now made my case for siding with D'Angelo Russell because I just, <laughs> I just went totally off the deep end about, um, about Rudy Gobert. Uh, another quote from Dan Barrera, Dan Barrero, uh, uh, the K fan network. Here we go. Um, if there's concern that uh, Cat will Carl Anthony Towns will now be mad that the moves that the Wolves moved his buddy, referring to D'Angelo Russell, um, that marriage is I don't know if it's in divorce, but there's they're nowhere near as close as they once were. I'm paraphrasing. The idea that once upon a time, yes, there was some truth to the fact that Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell were like attached to the hip, and Cat was so gung ho to get D'Angelo Russell to town. Well, that happened, and they're living it out right now. And it turns out that they're not that close anymore, probably due to the fact that their playing situation is super frustrating. And hey, can't blame really either one of you. I don't. I'm not a big Carl Towns guy. Never have been. Um, not a big D'Angelo Russell guy. At one point, I was. Um, at this point, I don't really like either of them. And I'm praying to God that either they trade all of those players they moved russell can you move carl and Tate towns to atlanta and can you move um rudy gobert to like charlotte so i never have to hear about him again and then can you just build around anthony edwards who's awesome because anthony edwards is awesome and the timberwolves need to look to position themselves around him and his future not not gobert and his future and not Carl Towns and his future. Um, getting a little long-winded about the Wolves here. Um, my summary on the Wolves. Potential blow-it-up team. Don't know how soon. I think they're going to probably give themselves another year of the Gobert thing because they, they'll feel like they have to. But um, I don't know. I, I would be so quick to blow this thing up. I would have never done the Gobert trade, but now that I have and I've seen how bad it's going and I know I can't contend, Blow it up. Blow it up. Trade Gobert. Trade Towns. Go get some of those cool wings from uh, Brooklyn. Go get Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson and uh, Dorian Finney-Smith. And I would actually just love Anthony Edwards on that team. Can we just do that? Can we just do that? Can we just move Anthony Edwards to Brooklyn? Let's just do that. It's just cool. It's just way cooler than this bullshit in Minnesota. So... Um, I'm just going to speed through these final, um, these final little tidbits because this is starting to get a little bit longer than anticipated on this Monday evening. My favorite trades. Um, we talked about some of them. Um, obviously the Kevin Durant trade is numero uno, you know, it's got so many question marks and uncertainties, but at the end of the day, Phoenix does that a hundred times out of a hundred. Um, and, uh, I think for the most part, it's going to work out. We're going to have to see all, see them actually play together, but, um, I'm the short story on that trade. They're still below Denver for me, for me, um, because I've seen Denver's on the floor product and I like it a lot. 
And they got Thomas Bryant, who is a great segue. One of my favorite trades, Thomas Bryant asking out of LA, probably frustrated because of the famous picture of LeBron's fadeaway to break the record. Um, one of the most significant things in that photo is Thomas Bryant, like posting up, calling for the ball. <laughs> can we like Photoshop him out of that now? And it's like, or maybe just put his hand down and can we like Photoshop it down, like alter history. Um, it's kind of fitting that the next day he was traded. Um, but he was asking for a larger role. And since Anthony Davis has come back, yeah, he's not going to get that. Well, instead of playing behind Anthony Davis, now you play behind Nikola Jokic. Um, in reality, I do think it's a bigger role for him. It's a it's a winning team, and he's going to get some, some real run here because he provides a little bit different of a look for Denver, plus just some actual big man relief for, for Denver and for Jokic um, as we hit the stretch run here um, after the All-Star break. Maybe get the two-time MVP, a little bit of rest, you know, a little bit of a different look, right? Uh, another trade, Josh Hart to the Knicks. I like this one a lot, a lot of energy for the Knicks. The Knicks actually just have a kind of eyeball in this game. Knicks take care of the Nets. Um, we can see, how did he do? How did he do? How did he do? Um, Josh Hart. Let's see. 27 points. 27 points. It doesn't outshine Jalen Brunson's 40. Jalen Brunson should have been an all-star. But Josh Hart with 27 in his second Knicks game. So a little bit more than just energy, huh? How about that? Um, obviously, the Jalen Brunson connection, um, kind of a big deal. And he was so excited to see. There's that awesome video of um, Jalen Brunson as soon as the uh, the Josh Hart trade came through. Thomas Bryant, Josh Hart, Muscala, Mike Muscala to the Celtics was um, quietly like a really good trade. Um, watched him yesterday. Watched him um, on Friday. Who did we play for Friday? We had a game Friday, and he had an awesome sequence. I can't even put these moments. Uh, I can't even think about the game, but Muscala on one end, block. Down on the other end, hustle. Hustle from Muscala. Catches it in stride. Three-pointer. Bang. Other team. Timeout. Mike Muscala. Good player. I don't know why there's this overreaction every year with the Celtics. In years prior, maybe. To be fair, we made a pretty splashy deal getting Derek White last year. Like that's That was a pretty big move um, on, on, on a deadline that wasn't as, as loud as this one. Um, but I like the move to get Muscala because he's kind of Danilo Gallinari and Danilo, Danilo Gallinari is not going to play for us this year. And I think he probably in some respects could be better than Danilo Gallinari. Um, dude, we got a six eleven, basically a seven footer who can shoot the three ball and he's not going to be an every night player, right? I have a perfect role for Mike Muscala. Al Horford only plays uh, one side of the back-to-back. Al Horford plays one side of the back-to-back, and you guessed it, Mike Muscala plays the other side. You know? Big man who shoots threes 
He's not as good as de- defensively as Horford, so don't think I'm saying that they're the same player, but it's a similar role that Muscala can kind of fill. He doesn't. He's not going to do it as good as Horford, right? But he's a seven-footer who shoots threes. The defense is not there for Muscala. He's not going to be... He's not going to see a lot of... He's not going to play crunch time in the playoffs. But this is a team who needed another another, another guy. I would have liked to see us get Josh Hart, of course. I would have liked to see us get Jared Vanderbilt. Um, or, you know, I don't know how available any of the Nets guys were. I liked Dorian Finney-Smith. You know, I thought those guys would be available. I guess they just weren't. Um, they just might not have been. But I love the Muscala deal. I love it. It's it's just it's a it's a simple little move that's it's gonna it's gonna show its 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 moments. It's gonna have some really good moments. It's gonna have some moments where it's like eh, Muscala got burned like three times in a row on defense, but like eh, in the end, it's gonna work out. It's gonna work itself out. Um, I literally wrote, "He's literally Danilo Gallinari." Yeah, yeah, basically. Um, Kyrie and uh, Kyrie and Luca. If you've listened this late, you've got a you've got a moment. So let's just check on the Mavs right now. They're playing right now. I just made a oh 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 huh 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 huh. Well, it ain't good. Uh, <laughs> they lost their first game with those two together, Luca and Kyrie. They're down 18 right now to Minnesota. Huh. Rudy Gobert, who I just tore a new ass, has 18 and 12. Anthony Edwards, who I, I, I just went on a love fest for. I do love Anthony Edwards had uh has 26. That's a is that a game high? Uh Lucas got 28. Lucas playing statistically a good game, 28 and 5. Kyrie has 10. Um, well, uh, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some time. Um, I'm not going to defend Kyrie Irving or the Mavericks, uh, for, for that, for that move. You made that move. I think you, I think it was a fine idea to do it. You know, it's a chance to, to get a star player to put next to Luca. You did it and it's either going to work or it's not. And the track record of Kyrie would tell you it's not, but it, it, is it worth a chance? Maybe we'll see. We'll see. Um, doesn't look very good right now. They lost to the Kings on Saturday. The Kings are really good, but the, the Timberwolves are, are not. Um, Mike Conley. I didn't give any Mike Conley love. Mike Conley's got 11 and seven um, in a short 20 minutes play. He's probably more appropriate for this team than D'Angelo Russell, especially if when you factor in the locker room stuff with Russell. So um, Mike Conley salute. I hope you can, there's a lot about Minnesota to like, right? Patrick Beverly's gone. D'Angelo Russell's gone. I love Anthony Edwards. Carl Anthony Towns is coming back. I hope Mike Conley can be that veteran leadership guy who gets in there and just straightens things out. Can you make him a playoff team? Let's just see them make the playoffs. Um, yeah, that's it. That's it. Um Oh, LaMarcus Aldridge is is working out for this Mavericks team, too. Big guy who can't play a lick of defense at this point in his career. 
I love Lamarcus, and what's happened with his health is supremely unfortunate. Um, I, so I am rooting for him. I'm rooting, rooting my ass off for Lamarcus. Um, watched him play a lot of basketball right here in San Antonio. Um, so I'm rooting for you, Lamarcus. We'll see if they if they come to a, a deal. Um, we'll see. Um, that's been another episode of this. We talked a lot about just just really a trade deadline kind of breakdown thing. And of course, I said if 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 I somehow get through these trades quickly and easily, we'll we'll talk more about other stuff. But we're gonna save that for later this week. Um, if you made it this far, thank you for listening and uh, go Celtics.